Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Kate Show. I am so excited that you are here today because I am talking about something that needs to be said. I might get on a few rants, and I know that it's going to help some of you get unstuck, which is what we are all about at The Socialite Agency, helping people get unstuck in their marketing. You've probably heard dozens or thousands of times about what you should be doing to market your design, staging, organizing, or window treatment business. But what about the pitfalls that can wreck your marketing momentum faster than a stick shoved through the spokes of your bike? Ouch, right? Well, today on the show, we're talking about the five common and completely avoidable mistakes that home industry entrepreneurs make in their marketing. And spoiler alert, this is not another episode where I just rail against social media. So don't worry about that. No, the pitfalls I'm sharing today are much more serious and more detrimental to your business than whether you should post another photo. Because a successful marketing strategy is about so much more than what you choose to put out there on the internet. It has a lot to do with first how you think about it and how you approach it. So if marketing makes you nervous and you tend to overthink it or constantly feel overwhelmed by it, this episode is for you. Also, this episode is brought to you by the Foundation website. You need a better website and you don't want to do it yourself. You don't want another website template that you have to figure out how to customize. And you just want a website that can grow with your business looking professional from day one. You want a website that's easy to update, attracts your ideal client and gets found online. You want good SEO. That's not too much to ask. So if you think, yes, this sounds amazing, and you want to maintain full control over your own website, then you need to check out our new offering, the Foundation website. It is semi-custom website design. And you might be like, uh, so what's the difference between semi-custom and fully custom? Well, with fully custom website design, we're designing everything from scratch. We're writing all the copy for you. I mean, like it is legit, completely custom. But with semi-custom, we have the framework of the site already built. We plug in your photos. We help you create the text. Really, we just do almost like a Mad Lib style version of website copywriting where we've written the basics and then we ask you to fill in the blanks. It's been very easy for our clients to use so far and I highly recommend it. If you're in the market for a website that can be turned around and launched quickly and isn't fully custom, meaning you're not married to any certain details, but you do want a site that's branded to your business. That means the foundation website is for you. So if you're interested in that, head over to thesocialite.com and check out that service. This episode is also brought to you by Side Door. Now, interior designers, hear me out. You only have so many hours in a day. And if you're trying to figure out how to scale your business, you might be realizing that you can't just work yourself and your team into oblivion. That doesn't work really. It's not sustainable. But you know the profit margin that you have on trade-only products is amazing. So why not put that on steroids? Side Door gives you that option. You can sell trade-only products and earn a commission of, on average, 30% for each sale. You've got lots of income potential. It's way better than affiliate marketing, like when you use all those different links and blog posts. And you don't have to worry about shipping product to people 
or handling their order or returns in general. You get to pick the products. You get to be the designer. You can pick the decor, furniture, and accessories for the modern living room, for the farmhouse living room, for whatever aesthetic and room in the home you really love to do. You can create a collection around that and then make it available for people to buy on your website. You don't handle payments through your website. Sidedoor handles the payments. They handle everything. But the thing they don't handle is the design work. And that's good because that's what you are amazing at. To start using Sidedoor, apply to join them. Go to onsidedoor.com to get started today. Lastly, guys, this episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. If you are trying to really up-level your client experience in 2024, you really need to check out HoneyBook. I have used Dubsado. I have used all sorts of things, but HoneyBook is just pretty. It's just nice. Like I really enjoy using it. And if you ever do a website with us, whether semi-custom or fully custom, or you're doing Pinterest management with us, you will experience our HoneyBook automations and you'll see, wow, it seems like they're just always so on the ball. They send me messages at the right time and the proposal was so easy to review and sign and everything is all in one spot. How professional, right? Well, you can have that for your business too. Go to honeybook.com and enter the code socialite to receive 50% off your first year. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode, five surefire ways to fail at marketing your home industry business. So nobody likes to talk about failed marketing ideas, but we all think about them, especially me. My marketing knowledge is a charcuterie board of data, anecdotal evidence, and personal experience as an entrepreneur. And because I've had the honor of consulting with a vast array of design, staging, organizing, and window treatment pros over the years, I've certainly picked up on a few common themes that can pretty accurately indicate whether their marketing will be successful or whether it will completely fall flat. Honestly, the owner of the business is the barometer for the success in that business. Business owners with unsuccessful marketing campaigns usually exhibit the following tendencies. Number one, they stay stuck in the planning phase and overthink every detail. Number two, they use disjointed, haphazard marketing ideas. And number three, they start too many new things all at once. And number four, they try really hard to solve the wrong problems. And number five, they get too many decision makers involved. Now, if any of these describe you, don't lose hope. These issues are not innate character flaws. They're simply the result of worry-driven entrepreneurship, which is a totally fixable condition. So let's go through them one by one and break it down and find a way out. The problem number one is stuck in the planning phase. And the planning phase is key. It's the figurative revving of the engine before taking off. But if you sit at the starting line and rev the engine perpetually, not only will bystanders start giving you the side eye, but you'll also waste a ton of time and resources, which is what I have seen happen over and over. Most often, the reason that home professionals will stay in the planning phase is because they think they need to have every detail in place and every question answered before they can begin. But this, my friends, is unrealistic. Plans are loose guidelines, not specific formulas. If you listened to my recent episode on creating your marketing plan for 2024, you heard all about what a marketing plan is and what it isn't. 
Plans should be written in pencil, not permanent marker. That's an important differentiation to make. Ironically, the details of your marketing plan will start filling themselves in once you simply begin. Begin drafting your first newsletter. Begin writing your next blog post. Begin planning your next coffee date or event. It's often helpful for our clients here at Socialite to follow this recipe for springing themselves out of planning, which is just passive action, and into actual implementation, which will propel them forward. And it's really just a question. How can you increase your word of mouth referrals? How can you improve your SEO? You need both humans and search engines referring new leads to your business because not much else matters. Okay, let me say that one more time. How can you increase your word of mouth referrals and how can you improve your SEO? You need both human and search engines referring new leads to your business because after that, not much else matters. All right, problem number two, haphazard marketing efforts. Ironically, I have noticed a consistent disconnect between how people market their businesses and how clients actually connect with them. It's usually never through the actual marketing channel in which the business owner is pouring his or her money. And that's often due to haphazard marketing. When I see this happening to my clients, I'll often ask them to scale back and say stuff like, do you really need geofencing? Do you really need ongoing SEO support? What does that even mean? What does that look like? Are you getting the right leads from it? And then I ask them to rank their lead sources from best to worst. The lower ranking lead generation sources need to be put on pause. And then we create a strategy around how to better harness and control the top two lead sources and connect them to a sales funnel. Now, why a sales funnel, you may ask? Aren't we getting the leads? What's the problem? Well, just because someone is referred to you by another person, by a paid ad they saw, or by a search engine, doesn't mean they're just going to hire you like that. A sales funnel provides means to capture their contact information so you can stay top of mind with them every two to four weeks, which is the best way to cultivate a relationship with them, which will result in a sale. Basically, if your best lead sources aren't being sent to a sign-up form, like a freebie or an opt-in of some kind, and if you aren't staying in contact with those leads every month, your marketing is haphazard and you have no sales funnel. This fact is exactly why so many people run Google ads that produce no clients or post on social media to no avail or blog themselves into oblivion. You can't just produce the ad or provide the content. You have to capture the contact information of your leads and stay in touch with them. It's a marketing non-negotiable. Now, of course, there's the issue of you have to produce content that will attract a qualified lead to begin with. And that's a big thing that I consult with my clients on one-on-one because every business is different. But I digress. Let's now talk about problem number three, starting too many new things at once. So at the other end of the spectrum, so you go from people who are just being like stuck, they're stuck in the starting line. On the other end of the spectrum, I actually see home pros who know exactly what they need to do. And they are driven by a sense of blind urgency that tells them to start 15 new things simultaneously until they're so confused and overwhelmed that they slide back into problem number one revving their engine, but not moving forward. Listen closely, guys. If you start implementing one new marketing tactic this month and wait several months before starting the next one, your business is going to be okay. In fact, your business will likely benefit from a slow but steady start. 
This will allow you to get through the learning curve of whatever you're doing, get onboarded with someone who will do it for you, or create a workflow around it and delegate it to a team member. It's quite possible and miserable to start all the things at once, but there's really no benefit to that. That's why when people hop on discovery calls with me, and if I see they're trying to do too many things at once, or I get the sense that they're already overwhelmed, I will actually talk them out of joining at our highest level and tell them they need to just stay in the middle level or the lowest level service that we offer because they can always upgrade later. But I try to put myself in my client's position and figure out how can we help them without overwhelming them because an overwhelmed business owner tends to freeze and that is not helpful to their business. And it also doesn't let us help them. So if you've ever been in a discovery call with me and you're like, is she literally talking me out of spending more money with her? Yes, I am because it's in your best interest. And that's the type of business that I run over here. Now, if you find yourself befuddled and asking a million questions about marketing and about what to do next, this is your sign to slow down and pursue just one new marketing effort at a time. Once you're set up and comfortable, add the next thing, upgrade the plan, hire the next person, do whatever you need to do, but do it in phases. But don't get caught in the cycle of stacking marketing task upon marketing task to the point where you build a Jenga block tower that will topple if you make one wrong move. As I said in my marketing plan a few weeks ago, which you guys probably tuned into already, good marketing doesn't mean a lot of marketing. It just means being sensible with your marketing and ensuring that you're capturing and speaking to your leads consistently. Problem number four. Ugh, okay, this is my favorite problem. And by favorite, I mean the one that I dislike the most. <laughs> this problem is too close to home for me. I'm a quite a professional at solving the wrong problem in my own life, which always leads to bigger problems, in case you're wondering. Now, in your marketing, solving the wrong problem might resemble any of the following scenarios. So I'm going to give you two. Example number one is, let's just say you've got this supposed problem of, we need more people in our mailing list. Oh, the proposed solution is, well, let's offer a discount to anyone who signs up for the mailing list. Makes sense, right? But the result is no mailing list growth, no new clients, and really not any improved communication with clients. And here's why. The actual problem is not that they needed more people in their mailing list, but they needed to communicate more specifically and consistently with the people they already had in their list. I see this happening all the time. Now, is it a good idea to grow your mailing list? Of course but that isn't nearly as important as communicating well with a list that you already have, however small it might be. And to this point, I want you to remember that if you have a small mailing list, you can still get clients from it because those contacts will forward your newsletter to other people who then become your client. I've seen it happen, guys. It is so cool. And the other thing to keep in mind is when you're growing your list, let's say you've got a great lead magnet out there and you're mentioning it in every blog post and you're really, you're doing your due diligence, but you're like, oh, I haven't had that many new signups. Guys, even if you get 12 new signups in a year and half of them convert, you got six clients, which equals thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on which industry you're in. How is that not worth it? That is amazing. So you really have to adjust your expectations because this 
tactic back in the day was really used by bloggers who just wanted hundreds of thousands of people in their mailing list so they could go sell an online course to them. But now this has been adapted for a service-based high-end custom industry, and that means the numbers get smaller, the quantity gets smaller because the quality and the project investment numbers are bigger, much, much bigger than any online course. The other example of trying to solve the wrong problem could be this. Oh, we need more foot traffic in our furniture showroom. We just don't have enough people coming in. So then the proposed solution is what I think is what I often see people doing. They'll run a special promotion. They'll put out special signage. They'll run all sorts of ads. But the result is no new foot traffic other than a few bargain hunters looking for a deal because they saw the signage about special discounts. Now, the actual problem in this situation wasn't more foot traffic. The actual problem was they need to show the potential client what is possible. So if they're selling custom furniture, what does that mean? You need to show people what it means to have custom furniture, what parts can be customized, everything. Again, what does that mean? This is really just a lack of communication, not a lack of foot traffic. Now, do retail showrooms need foot traffic? Sure they do, but quality is better than quantity. Rather than coaxing homeowners over your threshold by promising discounts, integrate yourself into the community. Join the Chamber of Commerce, connect with referral partners, offer a specialty service alongside your wares. Your brand message will be illustrated by the relationships you foster, not by the highly customizable sofa sectionals or locally produced artwork that you sell. So it has to be twofold. Maybe the service you offer is guiding people through how to put together this custom furniture, walking them through, here are the fabric options. What room is this gonna go in? Do you have pets or children? All right, let's go away from those fabric options and then over here. But you have to communicate that you offer that as a service. You have to help people understand you're not just selling furniture, you're selling the design of the furniture. That's a completely different offer and it doesn't rely on massive amounts of people coming into your showroom because those people will be looking for something they can take home that day and that's not what you do. And if you have people coming in thinking that, it just points back to the same issue of a lack of communication, not a lack of foot traffic. All right, the fifth and final problem that I see that really damages people's marketing is having too many decision makers involved. Remember that one client you worked with one time who had to run every decision past her sister, her best friend, and her neighbor's cousin's dog? <laughs> yeah, don't be like that. This tactic is really just procrastination to avoid being held accountable for making moves. The ability to make firm and efficient Business decisions is a muscle that you'll need to constantly flex if you want to move your business forward. You don't need the approval of three other people who don't work in your business or who aren't invested in your business. You are the CEO, the main decision maker. And if you make a poor decision, so what? Join the club. We've all made poor decisions. You'll learn from it. That's what we do. That's what business is. I have found that if a decision is making you nervous and sweaty, it's probably the right move because growth requires making uncomfortable choices. And I know if you're listening to this podcast where I make people uncomfortable all the time, I know that you can do it because people who are afraid of making decisions don't seek out information on podcasts. They seek out the information and they take action. And my listeners, you guys are such good action takers. I'm so 
I'm so honored to be in the presence of so many of you who make bold moves in your business despite how it makes you feel because you know that what your business has to offer other people is going to help them in such huge life-changing long-term ways that it would be wrong to keep it a secret. All right, so guys, from this point on, I want you to simplify your marketing. I want you to keep it simple. I want you to keep your message clear because the main reasons why people stay stuck is because they don't communicate and it's because they procrastinate. And these are so darn fixable. All right, guys, until next time, keep your marketing simple, keep your message clear, and I will talk to you soon.